You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good, good. Considering we taped uh, so late last night, uh, is this probably the closest in time we've taped shows? Because it's kind of been like barely 14 hours, maybe? Right around? Well, yeah, we taped. that may be true. You know, we're, eventually, yeah. though, like in the summer, we'll be able to do some back-to-backers, I think, because, you know, we'll just be talking about just random crap, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today, just FYI. <laughs> because, um, we were uh, hypothesizing that perhaps Alabama would the schedule would switch around. It didn't. Mm-hmm. Alabama still will play Kentucky this weekend, which is a big positive. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Sure. Alabama, 30-point favorite. Do you think that line's a little high? Yeah, oh, yeah two things. Uh, I do think it's high because it's kind of outrageous that Alabama, that anyone could be favored over, you know, I consider Kentucky a 500-type SEC team. I don't think they're 500 right now, but to me they are in the sense that I think most years, if they're playing eight games, mostly East teams in a normal year, this is probably a Kentucky team that would finish seven and five or eight and four and maybe four and four in the SEC. I think that's what this Kentucky team is, which is a compliment. And no team should be favored by 31 to beat a 500 SEC team that's that's got seven or eight wins. Uh, So in my mind, it is too high. On the other hand, uh, I'm about to pick Alabama to win by more than 31. (laughs) (laughs) so maybe it's not i like how you just exposed your own hypocrisy right off the bat i mean i I did well i did i mean and because both things make sense to me i think 31 is sort of outrageous on the other hand uh well i would take alabama so (laughs) i guess it's not but i'm also you know i enjoy picking the games every week and i think largely me and you both uh not just making fun of picking Alabama to win every week and we're right every week, but I think we get relatively, you know, we're always, we're often in the area of the actual score. I think we come close most weeks to nailing the score because we know it so well. But on the other hand, I'm extremely emotional about Alabama and any gambler, any professional gambler would tell me, Hey, if you're betting on games this weekend, don't, don't always take Alabama out of the equation. You're too emotional about that. And that's totally true. Um, so, Jimmy, what what do you think is going to happen with the schedule going forward? Is there anything you can offer here? Because, I, I mean, yeah. something's got to give. And, I, I mean, maybe it's just the impatient fan in me. I, I kind of want to know what it is that has to give. Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, going to be very disconcerting. This is a first for everyone. If it's a first for Nick Saban, it's a first for all of us. Uh, frankly, we just have to accept this new fact in the final month of the season that – until the following Monday at 8 o'clock, you cannot be certain who you will play the next weekend. So we have to accept that as, all right, the new schedule is released every Monday at 8 o'clock, and if you don't hear from the SEC, then you're playing the team that's on your schedule. Uh, that's, that's just the new world we're living in, and this is what we have to wave the white flag on, and everybody that's listening to the podcast, just go ahead and wave your, your napkin or your towel or whatever you got white in front of you, just wave wave it right now, COVID-1, and by that I mean this, not every SEC team, and maybe not even Alabama, not every SEC team will play 10 games. I think that's over. 
the idea of that is over. We're going to have some SEC teams who only played eight games, some nine, some ten. It's going to create problems figuring out who the champion is. But just remember, this is a hell of a lot better than not being able to watch our teams play this fall. It's going to be disjointed and weird. Someone's going to scream it's not fair. They're probably right. They're just going to do the best they can do with it. But I think now it is 100% obvious not all 14 teams will play 10 games. It's just now impossible without moving everything back. And if you move everything back, who's to say it's going to be better? I mean, the, the experts are saying the next three months are going to be really bad, and yeah. then all of a sudden it will get better. So moving it back isn't going to be helpful unless you're moving it to March or April, which is just stupid. So they're not going to do that. They're just going to do the best they can, keep the current dates in place, and what can be played will be played, and what can't will not. Yeah, and in fact, I mean, the March and April things, it, it's not its not only stupid, it's impossible because you have the NFL draft to deal with, you got combine, combines to go over, you got spring practice to deal with. So we are at the uh, we're at the edge of where we can move things around. And I think you're right about uh, teams not being able to get all their games in, but I don't think you're right about uh, that it'll affect the actual champion because I believe that because Alabama's already played A&M, um, I, I think that – that deal is going to kind of be cut here relatively shortly. Um, now, A&M mm-hmm. Ole Miss has been postponed. Uh, I don't know exactly how a and going to do all their stuff, but uh, there are at least rumors circulating that A&M took a page out of LSU's book uh, by saying, you know, hey, was, we got all this COVID over here, when really they just got some some key guys with COVID, and uh, they, they just didn't want to play. And so you can hide behind that COVID shield uh, I'm not saying that's a fact. I'm saying that's that rumor is certainly out there. That theory is out there. And it makes a lot of sense, frankly. And I think that's where the SEC and some of these other conferences should have stepped in with somebody that, that to actually come in, take a look at the, 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 the whole team and say, hey, you know what? You got the guys to play. You just don't want to play because you got your quarterback hurt or whatever, or quarterback with COVID or contact tracing or whatever. And I think the league should step in. Uh, in that regard, Jimmy, let's um, let me tell everybody about Coors Light real quick. Uh, this weekend, when you're enjoying the Alabama Kentucky game, grab yourself a cold Coors Light, pop open that can, and just let the relaxation flow right into your gullet. You will love it. CoorsLight.com is the beer of choice for all locked on things, and they should be your beer of choice. It is the beer made to chill. Coors Light, the beer made to chill. Brewed right there in Golden, Colorado, and and it's absolutely delicious. Uh, it, it makes you feel like a better person. You're all relaxed, and chilled out, and it's just great. Just have yourself a silver bullet. Celebrate responsibly, of course. That's always important to celebrate responsibly. But the key in there is to celebrate. Celebrate a big win over Kentucky this week by popping open a cold Coors Light. Golden, Colorado, of course, is where that is brewed. I also want to tell everybody about Built Bar. BuiltBar.com. Look, you can have a Coors Light. That won't fill you up. You can have a Built Bar. That will fill you up, but in a satisfying way, not like in a bloated way, in a satisfying way. It's also great for a keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com. B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. They've got 18 incredible flavors. My favorite is the carrot cake. You can order a dozen carrot cakes, if you want to, of Built Bar flavors. They're delicious. That's what I do. They're fantastic. Great for breakfast, great for lunch, great for dinner even. Um, If you're trying to maintain or lose weight, Built Bar is the perfect 
choice for you, much better than something like a Cliff Bar or some of these other quote unquote health bars that are loaded with all kinds of sugars and carbs. Built Bar, very low in carbs. Uh, is covered in chocolate, though. That's what's amazing, and it's absolutely delicious. BuiltBar.com. Jimmy, um, <clears throat> saw a uh, story out there today on CBS, uh, CBS Sports, about how potentially um, the 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 Pac-12 has made it where potentially the college football playoff will be pushed back. Um, and, you know, I can – I can I can dig that. I can go with it. I'm fine with it. You can't push it back too far, as we just talked about. But I am a little pissed that we're doing this for the Pac-12. You know, I feel like everybody could have gotten on this train and we could be working it out right now all together as one cohesive unit. Instead, the Pac-12 had to be uh, a lapdog to the Big Ten. And um, I think it's going to work out one way or the other. And I wouldn't mind pushing it back a little bit. But you can't push it back too incredibly far. I want what's best for everyone, and I don't care whose idea it is. It doesn't bother me if it's the Pac-12's idea or the Sunbelt's idea or, or the Dr. Pepper guy that invented the playoff, whether it's his idea. I don't care whose idea it is. I just want the best idea and to do what's best and pushing the playoff back. Someone's going to have to sell me on why that's best. Can we not forget that these kids go to school? Can we not forget these are the holidays? Can we not forget we made them start camp two weeks earlier and follow all these protocols? Someone's got to step in and say, at what point are we putting too much on these dudes? I mean, we've already done this, and now you're saying it's going to be longer. Uh, so that, and not to mention just the mark. Hey, hey, this this will set me up on another rant, but I get really upset about this because, you know, I read a lot of people celebrating that the NBA ratings were down. Uh, and and I, I think it's people that are the anti-woke crowd that does this. They want to put out this idea that nobody wanted to watch the NBA because they were very much into social justice messaging and therefore the ratings were down. Well, that might have been true to to an extent. But here's the real reason the ratings were down, and this is just a fact, for the same reason the NHL ratings were equally down. And that's because Americans and Canadians don't watch hockey in August. They don't watch hockey in July. They don't watch the NBA in August and September. And when the NBA is on, but football is on the other channel, people watch football because that was being played during football season, not NBA season. So all these seasons got pushed back and then people didn't watch. And then the NBA had to play playoff games at three o'clock in the afternoon. And then people are going, look, the ratings are terrible. No one cares about the NBA any, anymore. No, they're playing the playoff games at three o'clock on a Monday. And, and, and maybe that's why people weren't watching. Uh, and it's, again, it's a myriad of reasons. So I say all that to say this, let's not push college football into February because you know what? People, people will watch less. People will stop caring. We all have an internal clock in, inside us that tells us what season it is and what we do. We're all creatures of habit. And yes, if Alabama is playing February 1st, will me and Luke be watching? Hell yes, we're going to be watching Alabama. But if Alabama got eliminated in December and there was a game February 1st between Ohio State and BYU, am I going to watch? My answer to that, unfortunately, is probably and not definitely. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I think pushing it back is bad for the sport. It's bad for the kids. 
but someone smarter than me can sell me on this. This has to be done. And by the way, as I said all the time about the Big Ten pushing their season back and the Pac-12 pushing their season back, my thing, first of all, was how in the hell are you telling me that next December, next January, next March, COVID is going to be gone? They don't know that. They don't know that at all. We need to prepare for the fact that it's here until the vaccines are ready. So pushing it back, I, I don't know what that solves because all the, co all the vaccine news I see says the general public's probably not getting the vaccine until March, and we can't push it back till then. No, we can't. In fact, it's going to be a problem enough to even just work basketball in at this point. In fact, right. I saw something where the state of Washington says that you can't have a, any sports that are indoors or something like that. I don't know. Some executive order by the I governor. But I didn't anyway, read it all, but yeah, I saw the headline and it's such a, you know, not this isn't political. It's just a statement of fact. It's the makeup of our country. Uh, and, it, and it's still somehow, some way, the greatest country on earth. But we have a system, a federal system, a federalist system, a constitutional system where we're one country, but we're also 50 autonomous states. And there's a big problem that happens when we have a national emergency. And I don't care what your opinions on COVID are. This is a national emergency. We have a national emergency but the nature of our government means we can have 50 different responses uh, under, under the law. We have 50 different responses because we have 50 different states. And uh, all, all that's doing is creating a bigger mess. It's just one of these unfortunate circumstances where we really need a national policy that's part of a global policy because COVID is a global problem. It's not a SEC problem, a Southern problem, an American problem. It's a global problem. And this all started in one province in China. So you can't solve a global problem without solving it everywhere. Because if one country or one province in one country doesn't give a shit about this and just lets it go unchecked, then it's never going away. So it's a global issue. And I wish everyone over the globe could get on one page, whatever that page is. But man, when we got 50 different ways to deal with it, it's just a fact, people. It's going to be here until the vaccines take care of it. Jimmy, let's go ahead and take another break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little recruiting. All right, Jimmy. So recruiting-wise, um, you know, beginning to get a vibe here based on crystal balls from uh, everything on 24-7 sports that uh, to men say uh, – Adelaide? I'm going with Tanmisi Adelaide. Tanmisi Adelaide. Tanmisi Adelaide. Yeah. I, I'm going with that. But but everyone needs to keep in mind on these difficult to pronounce names. I think I've gotten two right in the last twenty. So did we no ever need to conclusion on Justin um, Aboyjebe or is it Aboyjebe or <laughs> what did we come up? Here's with the on? weird thing about that. I, I go with Aboyjebe now. Aboyjebe. I go with the boy now because that's what the TV announcers are saying. And I think somewhere there's a pronunciation guide in the media guide. And, and I think they're getting it from that. But I would swear and during recruiting someone that knows the kid well, like maybe even the coach phonetically spelled it to where the G is silent. And, and there's an A sound at the end of it towards a boy bay. So I called him a boy bay all during recruiting because I swear I got that from someone that knew the kid. But the TV announcers and Eli Gold, 
they say a boy bee. So I guess that's it. Well, um, yeah. So point being, it's it's uh, there are a lot of kids out there with names like that and it's last names that are funky. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yep. So anyway, um, I saw a lot of crystal balls for him coming in for Texas A&M. And now I see one by Anna Hickey, who's very reputable from the Clemson site. And she puts in a crystal ball for Shamar Turner out of Texas, who I absolutely adore as a defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she time. puts in a crystal ball for him to Texas A&M. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is mm-hmm. it feels like we've pulled even uh, for JT, oh, God, Tuomea-Lahu out of Washington. I've never even tried that because I was so uncertain that we would really be among the finalists. So I haven't committed myself, but I'm going to start committing myself to learning that kid's name because I'm, it's looking more and more realistic by the day that this could you happen. Don't, you don't want to sign him just so you don't have to learn the name. That's, that's your problem. <laughs> so, I thought, why learn the name if he's not? Why yeah. learn the name if he's just going to Ohio State? So I do think it's more and more realistic every day. The kid is truly big time. He is what we call here on Locked on Bama a six-star. He can't be a better prospect than he is. So I would be most excited to, for lack of a better term, trade Shamar Turner and uh, and Tamisi Adelaide for JT. Uh, if, if we're really doing that, um, all are awesome. All are very good. But JT, he's a six-star. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I, I had this long post on Crimson Country Club today about this issue, and, and it's just reality. It's nothing we need to be upset about, but Alabama runs an odd man front, a 3-4 front. That is unusual in the NFL. Some teams still run a 3-4 in the NFL. Most teams run a 4-3, and traditionally in a 3-4 in an odd man front, the defensive linemen are asked to control two gaps and not one. And when you're asked to control two gaps, what that normally means is you're just tying up the offensive linemen in those gaps, keeping the offensive linemen off your linebackers, allowing Alabama's highly athletic, highly speedy linebackers to make plays unencumbered and unblocked. That's just sort of the plan. Well, that's not very exciting to your average four-star or five-star defensive lineman who would rather be a one-gap guy who's just free to beat the ass of the guy in front of him and then go make a play. So on the recruiting trail, Alabama takes a lot of crap from teams that run four threes saying, if you go to Alabama, you're not going to make any plays. They're going to ruin you. They're just going to teach you to be a dancing bear there. You're not going to be able to make plays uh, over here. You're not going to be able to rush the passer here. We'll put you outside like a defensive end and you get to rush the passer, which the NFL loves, or you can be inside and be a defensive tackle, but all you're doing is taking on the guard. You don't have to worry about the center. Uh, our, Our middle linebacker takes care of that. I mean, that's what the 4-3 people sell these kids. And and unfortunately, while it doesn't work across the board, it has worked in many instances. Some kids, some defensive linemen choose to play elsewhere because they get sold that Alabama is the wrong scheme for them. And that's why maybe the defensive line might be one area where we don't consistently hit home runs. But if you take all that and understand it, Look at what Alabama's got on the defensive line, a collection of highly recruited kids. We, we do well. We do just fine. And we, by the way, these kids that buy those arguments, you can point to Marcel Darius, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Quinn and Williams. Alabama does produce playmaking, highly recruited defensive linemen. So most of what those teams selling is shit because it's not true. 
but it's true enough to where they do talk some defensive linemen into signing with their 4-3 program. So uh, that's a long way to explain what goes on with people that go, huh, why is Texas A&M always beating Alabama for defensive linemen? That's why. That's why right there. Also, most of these kids are beating us for, by the way, are from Texas. So they weren't going to be easy to sign anyway. So that's kind of what's going on there. But there's no reason to fret because Alabama still, despite all that, has one of the largest collection of highly regarded defensive linemen in America. So that argument dings us, but it doesn't kill us. Well, and if we were to get somebody like a JTT, and apparently we've, we're right there with Ohio State, if we were able to pull him, um, I think people would forget about the other two pretty quickly. But Shamar Turner is the one that I yeah. certainly would love to have. Um, He's good. But I would have JTT over the other – any of them. And then Shamar Turner and Adele. Um, meanwhile – That's how I would rank them myself, exactly like that. But they're all great, and it's like – Hey, if you don't get JT or Shamar, but you still get Tanisi, uh, great, fine, fine. I mean, that that would that, uh, he's hardly a consolation prize. True. But I would rank him exactly the way Luke does. Meanwhile, uh, the NBA draft is tonight. Oh, it's uh, tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, it is tonight. Yeah, I, I, I forget. You no, know, I was trying to I, see. Man, go with the flow, dude. <laughs> this isn't live radio. And I could edit this, but I'm not going to. No, I think you should leave it in. Out of protest, I'm not editing the fact that I'm pretending <laughs> like we're cutting this today, like it's Wednesday when it's actually Tuesday at noon. I'm pissing <laughs> you now for ruining because I had I'm usually yep. the one ruining it. I get it right, and you get <laughs> all over everything. Well, where I, I panicked because I'm like, holy shit, I need to make different plans. I don't want to miss anything in the draft. I'm working too late. I just panicked over. Oh my god, I'm going to miss the first part of the draft. You but would no. not hold up well under questioning. It, what was that uh, <laughs> in Goodfellas when uh, yeah. he, uh, Joe Pesci told Ray Liotta, you know, I think you'd fold under questioning. Yeah. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, the NBA draft is tonight. 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 Wednesday night. Tonight. Wednesday night. What a beautiful yes. Wednesday it is. But um, so uh, Kyra Lewis now projected to go. By some in the top ten, some people think he goes to Phoenix. I wonder if that's still the case now that they just traded for Chris Paul. Um, that would be interesting. I just please, for the love of all things James Naismith, don't let him end up with the freaking Sacramento Kings. <laughs> some places just feel like they're never, ever, ever, ever going to win. I'll give you a place where he's probably never going to win that I selfishly want him to to end up and I have seen some projections that he would end up there but that's the New Orleans Pelicans oh yes because it's close it's by far the closest NBA team to my hometown (laughs) it's the only place where I would likely see him play in a regular season game and uh, secondly they've got Zion Williamson so he's got a beast to feed the ball to and uh, hey if you got an all-star point guard and an all-star guy under the basket that's that's how you can build a ball club around that so uh i'm kind of rooting for the pelicans who i think pick 13th uh i'm rooting and and i think he would go somewhere in that area so i'm kind of rooting for that to happen but if not the pelicans then just as high as he can go to make the most money for him well and and it's funny you mentioned that as i just pulled up the espn mock draft for the nba which is updated a couple hours ago and or actually updated more than 24 hours ago and um (laughs) <laughs> it was uh, 
it's Kyra Lewis going 13th to the Pelicans. Um, and they have Isaac Okoro from Auburn going nine to the Wizards. I think he'd be a good He's pick a for somebody. But what's funny is I think this kind of tells you where the NBA is now because Isaac Okoro is not a scorer in the least. I mean, he just can't – he's just not a scorer. Um, so uh, – but he's defen- he's a defensive wizard. He's very good um, defensively. And I think guy, people are just like, hey, we just got to take a shot on some of these young guys that we hope to God we can turn them into somebody that can score 10 points a game. I mean, you look down this list, and even Kyra, I mean, even Kyra, Kyra can't mm-hmm. score. Kyra's a shooter, but shit, he's, he's 19 years old. Yeah, he wasn't. I mean, that's just what the NBA is exactly like you said. It's what's turned into. It's two things. It's Kyra's going to go no lower than 13th. So he made the absolute correct decision to come out. No doubt he did the right thing. But was Kyra Lewis ready to play in the NBA? No. No, he wasn't. He still isn't. But how many other first-round picks are? It's like we use the term project all the time in recruiting. You know, you sign some overweight offensive tackle with long arms and long legs, and but, but his body's in bad shape, and, and you don't know what kind of athlete you might have when you – I mean, you're like, well – he might be good, but he's a project, and, and fans groan. Hell, every single one of these first-round NBA picks are projects. Every one of them. Everyone, even Wiseman, who's going to go first. Who thinks James Wiseman will be an NBA all-star next, next spring? No. No, he won't. I don't even know how many minutes he's going to get. And he's probably going number one, deserves to, but even he is a project to a degree. Uh, yeah, it's just – once they decided to draft all these children, you, you, they're, they're probably. And a child shall lead them, Jimmy, and a child shall lead them. Well, Jimmy has left us. Jimmy, Jimmy's gerbil died, so we will call it a day here on Locked On Bama. Uh, for Jimmy Stein, I'm Luke Robinson saying roll tide, everybody. <laughs>